Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones. And yes, I am the host of the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. Thank you all so much. Uh, Shouts out to everybody that's listening to this live on a Sunday morning. I hope that you had a good morning so far. Um, Man, I just got back home. (laughs) I'm in my office right now doing the show, but um, I've been up uh, pretty early this morning, man. I got up and uh, went to the gym, worked out a little bit, uh, went to the store, you know, got me a, a few powerades. <laughs> and now I'm back, man, to talk to you all about this week 10 matchup, the New Orleans Saints uh, head to Pittsburgh to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And um, uh, this is a must win. Um, as of right now, um, the game is on between the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Seattle Seahawks. They both uh, have nothing and is at the end. Uh, of the first quarter but you know the fact that the Atlanta Falcons lost on Thursday and you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, there's a possibility a strong possibility that they can actually lose uh, today versus the Seattle Seahawks that will put the Saints in prime position uh, to take take hold of that second place and have that you know be tied uh, with the with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I mean both of these teams well all these teams in NFC South we already know they are who they are. You know, they're a bunch of teams that aren't very good, but somebody has to win this division. You have to win this division. And how you do that is having the best record uh, in the division. So the Saints can't be sidestepping today uh, versus a team that uh, isn't uh, very good. Um, I was looking at a little bit of the stats uh, between uh, the Saints and this uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, and both teams are – Uh, leaving a lot to be desired offensively and defensively points per game. uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers average about 15, uh, the Saints 23.6 points allowed per game. Uh, You have the Pittsburgh Steelers with 24.6 with the Saints with 25.2 total yards per game. The Saints with 391 Steelers with 315 yards passing Saints 260. uh, The Steelers at 220 yards per game, 130 for the Saints, 94. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then you have the 
the yards allowed, uh, 215 uh, for the Saints, 288 uh, for the Steelers. And then you have the rush yards, 120.9 to the Steelers, 117. To say that these aren't your grandpa or your great-grandpa or even my Pittsburgh Steelers, if you're in your 30s, uh, would be an understatement. This is not a very good football team. Uh, Kenny Pickett right now, I mean, is going through uh, the rookie woes. Uh, He has two touchdowns, only eight interceptions. But the Pittsburgh Steelers will be getting back all-pro linebacker T.J. Watt just in time for this game. It's just funny to me how, you know, it just seems like teams just always seem to get that top player back just in time uh, to play the Saints. Uh, Somebody told me, uh, should look at that as a compliment. Uh, not really. This is just adding on to, you know, a season of uh, <laughs> unfortunate circumstances uh, by the New Orleans Saints. But, you know, the New Orleans Saints, they can't win this football game. They should win this football game. And, you know, I mean, I just think that even though, you know, we try to stay optimistic, the morale among the Houdat Nation for the most part has been relatively low. Uh, it's been It's been low. Uh, there's not many guys we can look at and and, and try to uh, get a little bit of confidence, especially uh, when it comes to the high ups of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, most importantly, head coach Dennis Allen. Uh, Dennis Allen uh, doesn't strike me as a guy who can, you know, can rally the troops. Uh, he has not uh, been the coach that we expected him to be, uh, you know, coming into the season. We all thought that, you know, all those situations that happened or those situations that happened with the Raiders over the last three seasons was pretty much an outlier. We convinced ourselves to that. And, you know, I have to give the Saints uh, organization a lot of credit because, you know, we looked at this team and, you know, they told us that, you know, we had a good defense last year. We can capitalize on the defense and all we have to do is just keep the same infrastructure in place and we should be okay. But as we look into the season 10 10 weeks out, we see that that wasn't the case. And, you know, the more I look at it, who that nation, the more I realize that, you know, I think that we all were kind of hoodwinked and we all kind of played ourselves because we, we thought to ourselves that, you know, this team, you know, couldn't lose, even if they didn't have Sean Payton or not, but this is going to show, this goes to show you how important Sean Payton and Drew Brees was to this organization, you know, listening to Lance Moore talk about, uh, the New Orleans Saints and, you know, what they used to be as far as having Drew Brees and Sean Payton for years, uh, we've been kind of spoiled because, you know, we've had quarterback play at the highest level and we had coaching at the highest level. And it, when it becomes like so normal, we just feel like it's just, you know, it, it could easily be replaced. We were, we weren't realizing how special what we had actually was at the time, but now, we're seeing that having a good coach matters, having a good signal caller matters, and that's extremely important. And the New Orleans Saints have to dig themselves out of this hole. You know, the lucky thing about all this is, you know, they've been falling flat on their faces more weeks than not, but everybody else in the division has been falling flat on their faces as well. Somebody has to win this division. It's hot potato right now. It just seems like nobody wants to win this division. Uh, the Saints need to figure whatever they need out and uh, try to move forward. I mean, it, these injuries that they had the entire season, I mean, it's just been a season of bad luck. I mean, you have Lattimore not going to play in this game. Ingram's not playing in this game. More than likely, Andrews Pete isn't playing in this game. Eric McCoy is on IR. 
Uh, Michael Thomas is on IR. I mean, it's just a plethora of bad, bad, bad news, right? It's almost to a point where you're actually shocked if a star player actually played for the Saints this season. And, you know, some people have their conspiracy theories. You know, some people have been saying, well, maybe these players aren't wanting to play because they don't believe in the Saints organization. They don't believe in the Saints medical staff. And they're not trying to sacrifice their career uh, for a team, you know, that doesn't have their best interests at heart and mostly just kind of looks out for themselves. And look no further than the, the article that has been very controversial uh, since it's come out. Uh, shouts out to uh, New Orleans Die Football, Nick Underhill, Mike Triblett, uh, Kevin Washington. Those guys do a really great job over there covering the New Orleans Saints, and uh, they've been hitting them out the park as of late. And uh, they had a little bit of a sit-down interview with Jameis Winston. And, of course, you know, the topic of conversation was, you know, was Jameis lied to? Was Jameis lied to? You know, was the fact that they kind of, you know, kind of lobbed him to sleep a little bit in order to convince him uh, to kind of, you know, step back and your place is going to be here. And, you know, the way Jameis talked about it is as if, you know, uh, he wasn't supposed to play in week two versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He mostly kind of gutted that out because, you know, that was his former team. And, you know, guys kind of get motivated, you know, taking on your former team, you know, have an opportunity to beat them. The last time uh, you played against them, you tore your ACL. Uh, time before that, you lost in the divisional round, even though you threw a 60-yard pass to Traquan Smith. So, I mean, he was extra motivated to try to go in that game. But the reality is he said that he shouldn't have played in that game. Uh, I was at the Atlanta Falcon game. I, I was at the game where the, where the Saints – played the Falcons in week one. And I can remember uh, Jameis Winston going into the tent. I, I, I can remember. I, I can remember him going into the tent. Uh, I, I remember looking down and I seen Andy Dalton warming up and I, I thought Andy Dalton uh, was going to go into the game because uh, Jameis Winston came out the game. He was holding his back and I don't know what happened in the tent, but he was in there for a few minutes. And the next thing you know, the next drive, uh, he was back out there again. And um, I think that was during the time where he realized that he, you know, he fractured, had fractures in his back, you know, well, not, he didn't realize it, but he had some pain in his back. I'm pretty sure the next day when they did the x-rays and stuff like that, they found out, you know, that he did have these fractures in his back. But, you know, it, it was, you know, the fact that he went out there and, and put forward a Warriors, uh, you know, effort and in the process, he ended up like rupturing, you know, his foot, you know, he had a rupture, you know, a rupture in his foot. And uh, it was on his planting foot where he couldn't throw the ball down the field. That's the reason why you had like so many of these issues uh, with his deep ball. And people were wondering like, man, what's going on with his deep ball? It, you know, it happened with his planting foot. So him trying to gut it out, he ended up messing up his foot on top of having four fractures in his back. And of course, you know, he goes on a plane. He's, he's riding on a plane to the game in London. He has a back brace on trying to sleep with that. I mean, extreme discomfort. And, you know, that's when the Saints, you know, decided to have a conversation with him. And, you know, he asked uh, D.A. point blank, period. You know, you know, if I if I sit this game out and, you know, offense start rolling, will I be able to get my job back? And, you know, of course, they told him, yes, you know, you'll be able to get your job back. But as we can see, you know, Andy Dalton has been uh, starting uh, ever since. So, you know. I've been knowing about these things for quite some time, folks. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, like I said, man, I'm not real big on name dropping or trying to, you know what I'm saying, tell you who I talk to and all that kind of stuff there. This kind of not my style. Because, I mean, 
I can easily like come out here and, and say some of the things that I hear and what people share with me in DMs and behind the scenes, but I just don't feel like that's my place to do so. I'd rather those individuals be able to tell their own stories. Like I, I don't do this podcast to try to get on or, or, or try to, you know what I'm saying, be some type of insider, like on some Adam Schefter or some Ian Rappaport, even some Nick Underhill stuff. You know, I, I just like to do this podcast and, you know, people are fortunate enough, well, nice enough to give me like information. And, um, you know, I've, I've heard about these situations and, you know, even when there was uh, the talks about the quarterback controversy, you know, I've got emails, you know, saying that, you know, people are trying to make this a quarterback controversy and it wasn't. And, you know, I know a lot of people seem like they're mad, you know, at Jameis Winston for coming out with this information. They're upset that Jameis Winston came out here. He's trying to play himself up to be a martyr. But my question is to all these people out there, how many times do we constantly criticize the organization versus criticizing players for not playing? Like we don't really criticize the organization when they force a guy who is, you know, really extremely hurt. You know, they they inject these guys to try to numb the pain and numb these symptoms in order for them to come out there. And fair or unfair, you know, they're, they're victims of our scrutiny if they don't perform well. And we never look at the organization. We never look at the NFL as a whole, some of the practices that they have. We we heard stories, you know, about like guys like Delvin Bro, guys like Keenan Lewis guys like Michael Thomas, and we just kind of turn our heads, you know, like we rather just sit up there and complain about a player and say, oh, that player, he don't want to play for the team or, you know, he just don't want to play. But, you know, wouldn't you want to consider maybe sitting it out too if you feel like the organization that you're going out there putting it all on the line for doesn't have your best interest at heart? Like these guys are professional football players. What they do is play football. These medical personnel, these people have spent years in college and medical school in order for them to come up with the prognosis of what's going on with these players. And we never like look at these people like we don't look at these people like what they're doing is for the best of the organization. Like when a, when a player goes out there and they play, oh, it's for the best best of the organization. But what about the medical staff who who, who kind of tell, you know, a little bit of the truth, but not tell them the whole truth or try to make it in a way where they can convince that guy, oh, you can still play. And that's why you see these guys coming out there, they walk in and then all of a sudden they fall clean to the ground, no contact. Because in reality, they probably shouldn't have been out there in the first place. There's a lot of things behind the scenes that we don't know about. Like we just get mad. Like if a player doesn't perform well, like we look at him, man, what's wrong with him today? But we don't humanize those guys. Like we, we, we dehumanize football players because we look at these guys, how much money they make, but we don't look at them like from a human aspect. Like we don't look at these guys as humans. We look at them like they're, they're superhumans. You know, we, we look at these guys like they, you know, like, you know, like they can't get hurt. They don't have families. They don't have pain. They don't have anything like that. So, you know, I, I feel like if we're going to look at these guys like this, we need to look at this, these organizations and see some of the practices that they have and what they make these dudes do in order for them to get on the field. Now, somebody will probably say to themselves, man, you can't make a player do nothing they don't want to do. Well, if you start looking at guys, you know, who like a Davenport, you know, who had to get his finger amputated, right? When you start looking at guys, you know, in a walking boot all week long, and then all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying, you out there, it's kind of 
makes you, you know what I'm saying, kind of convinces you to try to go out there to try to take one for the team. And when these guys go out here, they end up making mistakes. So my question is, like, who is going to protect these players from, you know, these organizations? We can say the NFLPA will do it, but there's only so much the NFLPA can do. And make no mistake about it, who that nation, what Jameis Winston did could be considered career suicide. Like, seriously. Because a lot of these organizations, you know, it's almost like on some, some fraternity sorority stuff. I don't know how many people are actually in fraternity and sororities, but when when you're online, right, you learning all this information, all this secret information that nobody from the outside world is supposed to know about. Like, you know, I pledged, you know, I would have fought Theta in 2007, right? There's certain things like I learned that I can't tell anybody, right? If I was to tell anybody, you know what I'm saying, they, they would probably, you know, throw me out of fraternity because you're not supposed to like spill these type of beans so Roy is the same way right so for him to go out there and start talking about the injuries and stuff like that, that he sustained and oh i could have played and you know other organizations if the saints move on from Jameis winston will look at him and be like man you know what i'm saying like can we trust him you know what i'm saying to, you know if we sit him down you know what i'm saying for him not to come out here and say these things organizations look at that they they look at that because there's this this sworn secrecy about you you ever you ever heard somebody say protecting the shield or oh, we need to protect the shield like we, we need to protect the shield when guys start coming out and talking about practices within organizations and they probably know doggone well like their organization is probably doing the same thing it will probably turn an organization off from a player fair or unfair like we we look at like some of the things that go that goes on in the National Football League, right? When guys start taking stands and guys start standing up about certain things that's going on in the NFL, all of a sudden, like they, they start like becoming, you know, getting the label of a troublemaker. Oh, you know, he's a troublemaker. Oh, you know, like, or they start like really putting this business out there in the street, no matter how big or how small it is, but just to kind of get that person out there. And if you put enough news out there. Then all of a sudden, like people are like, man, I'm tired of hearing about this guy. Right. Sometimes an overload of information, you know, can sometimes like turn a person off from a guy. If you start hearing about a guy like it, just, it don't matter, like he can be out there in the streets, like dating somebody, you know, what I'm saying something light or he was spotted at Benny Hanna's or he was spotted, you know, what I'm saying that in Las Vegas or something like you start like saying like, man, why? You know, like, man, get this dude out of my face. It's just human nature. Like the more news like we start to see about guys like the less interested we become in them. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's the reason why a lot of people hate Tom Brady so much, you know, every time, you know what I'm saying? It's his life and every game, like he getting the flags and you know, all these things that's going on, like you tired of them. And that's what the NFL does. They put that person on the fo- at the forefront to a point where he will be a victim of scrutiny and his, his, his stock will probably go down. So, it, this is what Jameis Winston did can, can be considered career suicide in some circles. Because we already know, like more, than like, like, more than likely, he's not coming back to the New Orleans Saints. But I'm looking at the New Orleans Saints organization completely differently. And I think you should, too. Like, I, I look, I love the New Orleans Saints. I've been rocking with the New Orleans Saints for over 30 years, since I was four years old, sitting on my grandmother's floor. 
I can remember, you know, rooting for this team. But we got to call a spade a spade. If we're going to sit up here and criticize these players and what's wrong with them today, even though them dudes probably did everything they possibly can to be on that field, we need to be looking at these organizations and, and, and wondering what these doctors are convincing these guys to do. And also, you know, like the language and the lack of transparency. Because I know Jameis ain't lying. The way that the way that Dennis Allen goes to the podium and basically has to retract straight statements day after day after day when it comes to injuries, I know he's not lying. I know he's not lying. The way that this team is is using IR and not putting guys on IR who should be on IR, like it, it automatically just tells me everything that I need to know. There's there's plenty of validity behind what Jameis Winston is saying, and honestly. I feel bad for him also because if you go into a game and we like think about this. If Jameis Winston would have played in week one, got hurt, and didn't play again, the narrative wouldn't have been, oh man, he need to go sit down somewhere. It wouldn't have been the narrative that some of y'all been waiting in the trees to come out with. It would have been, man, he went 16 for 19 in the fourth quarter and brought the Saints back. It would have been on the same level like, oh, he had 14 touchdowns, three interceptions to justify him being a starter in 2022. So I think the big, he, he is right. The biggest mistake is for him to go out there being his, being hurt and trying to go out there and put forth that warrior effort and trying to compensate for, you know, when, when you're in pain, you're trying to compensate by using other limbs or other you know, extremities in order for you to be able to push the ball down the field or do some things or move, or, you know, like you're doing these things and people not seeing it. Like I say, we we see this team on Sunday and whatever you two decide to give us about this team, you know, from the New Orleans Saints or on their website. Like we don't see like the things that these guys go through on a daily basis. Like we only see the the finished product you know, the, the game plan and all that kind of stuff on Sundays. We don't see what these guys go through. If Jameis Winston would have played in week one, got injured, had them four fractures in his back and sat down for a couple weeks, nobody would be crit criticizing this dude at all about his performances. Nobody. Everybody would be talking about how he, he, he brought the Saints back from Atlanta. Because the narrative starts to change about an individual over the course of time. Like, a couple months ago, Dennis Allen went to a Pelicans game and got cheered like he was Wayne Gretzky, you know what I'm saying, coming back from, you know what I'm saying, playing for the L.A. Kings or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he was getting cheered like he was Brady back in, in Gillette or something. You know, like, and now this dude is like the laughing stock of the city. Like, people want this dude out of town. So the narrative changes over time. And these guys didn't have any built-up capital. I'm talking about him. I'm talking about Dennis Allen and Jameis Winston. They don't have any built-up capital. They don't have enough capital to be built up to, for us to understand bad playing, bad coaching. So I feel bad for Jameis Winston at the end of the day uh, because, you know, I mean, the decisions that he made end up, you know, costing him his, his job. And honestly, I don't know, you know, if he – I don't know if he'll get his job back and the way that this article is like circling around. I don't know if he'll get an opportunity like he once did. Um, I don't think he'll get opportunity like he once did with the New Orleans Saints. I, I think that's, I think that's it. 
And, and like I said, I mean, look, I've been out on Dennis Allen. I've been out on him. I, I've been done. I've been done with Dennis Allen because Dennis Allen is Dennis Allen. Don't believe in himself. Like as a coach, like I look, he doesn't like to me. He doesn't believe in himself as a coach. I don't like. I I just feel like he just be doing stuff. Like he he is a guy who is just out there. You know what I'm saying? Like they're trying to make things work. Like th- this team isn't loose. There is desperation. When he goes to the podium, it's like desperation. It's like the words that he says is 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 almost like okay, man. I, I need to calm everybody down. You know, it, it's. He is like he is not confident in himself. So why should we be confident in him? Like, I think that I think that he says all the right things, but I don't think he believes in what he says. It's almost like to me, like you might as well just be a politician. Like you might as well just be a politician. I'm gonna say a bunch of blame pleasantries and you know what I'm saying, get everybody, you know what I'm saying, to kind of calm down. But now it's just becoming a cliche. I don't believe in this dude. I never believed in this dude. Like, you know, at the beginning, I was willing to give him a chance. I didn't feel like he was the best choice. You know, like, you know, I was like, okay, if y'all going to do that, then okay, fine, whatever. But I never, I never believed that Dennis Allen was the best choice for the New Orleans Saints. When the Saints decided to like hire him, of course, you know what I'm saying? I want like, I want to paint a picture about what they're actually thinking. And I want to believe that they know what they're doing because the organization is better. You know what I'm saying? Like the organization is better. You know what I'm saying? Like they know what's going on. But I don't believe in Dennis Allen, man. And honestly, I just think that it's going to, you know, going to continue. And people are talking about injuries and stuff like that. But look, even with the injuries, like this team still isn't playing with any heart. When they had their players out there, for the most part, like their starting players, they still had some things that was missing. So to me, I just think that you just need to move on. Now, you can keep on, like, trying to double down on the foolishness and bring Dennis Allen back and, you know, try to, you know, build the team up and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I, I from what I'm seeing from the body language and the energy on the field, I don't care who you put out there. You know, like, you're not going to replicate that. And then on top of that, trying to go after free agents. Like, if you have Sean Payton as a coach, I can understand, like, if you're an offensive player, like, this guy's an offensive guru. It, it makes the Saints a, a, a de- you know, a, a destination spot. Like, okay, man, these guys know what they're doing over there. You know what I'm saying? Like, Sean Payton, like, he, he, can, he can help my career. But Dennis Allen? Like, and can you imagine, like, a top free agent or a free agent that can help this team, like, and Dennis Allen come up in there with his 11-34 and 34, uh, overall record self and, all of a sudden, like, you know, you're supposed to be trying to convince a player that, oh, we can win a Super Bowl. Like, nah. The Saints, to me, just need to go ahead and start from scratch. You know, a lot it's going to sacrifice Dennis Allen's defensive knowledge, but that's just what you're going to have to do. Like, trying to be what you used to be isn't working. Like, you can't be the classic Saints because what you had was a, a instant classic in Drew Brees, and he's not here anymore. So, you might as well like change the way this team is going, you know? And because if you don't, then you're going to wind up like being last in the division. Like you look at the Carolina Panthers, Carolina Panthers are a a good football team. I just feel like they just were not coached well. 
they need some some you know what I'm saying some parts on a team but they have a lot of young players where they can be terror and problems for years to come you know even Atlanta we laugh about them but to me they bought a, a, a decent quarterback away from making the playoffs and getting some wins you know, and then Tampa, you know what I'm saying, between Tampa and the Saints, they're probably only two with a bunch of, like, unanswered questions when it comes to the future. But like I said, if you keep on continuing trying to double down on the arrogance and double down on the ego trip, then you're going to find yourself in the background. Because even these trash teams that have been garbage for the last couple of years, they're starting to emerge, and they're starting to get better. And they're, they, they've gotten their young uh, quarterbacks, and it's only a matter of time before those guys – uh, start to get better the league starts to slow down for them and the saints gonna really be in trouble so you might want to just try to do what you have to do in order to make this team better for the future because if you keep on messing around with dennis allen you're gonna find yourself like picking first overall and he gonna end up getting fired anyway so that's my thoughts on that but i'm gonna go ahead and read some of your comments and uh we'll go from there Kimo says, facts, TJ, on top of the narrative about Jameis already. Yeah, Jameis cracked whatever safety wall the organization had left. Yeah, look, when you start, like, spilling the beans and blowing a whistle like that, you know, it's it's just a matter of time before you find yourself on the outside. Like, I just think that right now it's just, it, to me, it's damage control, you know? It, it's like, okay, okay, you know, like, this dude – it's not really telling the entire story about why I'm on the bench and why, you know, it, it looks as if, you know what I'm saying, I got benched. But in reality, you know what I'm saying, this is what happened. So, you know, to me, like I said, it's, it's damage control now. But like I said, the problem, the problem is, folks, is that there is this sworn secrecy around, among National Football League, among the National Football League. And when guys start to talk a little bit too much, you know, that's when guys like careers start to like kind of fade out, you know, when, you know, I, these owners and, you know, Roger Goodell, like they put, they, they hold a lot of weight and no matter how good a guy is, no matter how many touchdowns you didn't caught, no matter how many interceptions you didn't caught, if you're a quarterback, no matter how great of a player you are, the NFL wheels keep on turning, you know? So that's just the reality of it all. You know, like you, you you start telling and start snitching on the NFL, you don't find yourself on the outside. And if you do anything to try to, you know, like threaten them in any way, rather it's the doctors, rather it's the practices of the NFL, rather it's the field, you know, they they will turn you into the enemy. But I just I just never understood like why like why is NFL outrage never like a top priority but when it comes to these players they're always a top priority for the backlash and the scrutiny i mean who who's writing these articles like you know what i'm saying who's giving these guys the information to write these articles is, is what i'm wondering so I, I look i was watching this um this movie some of y'all probably seen it uh it was called leatherhead uh it, it was a movie that was directed by george clooney it actually starred uh george clooney and renee zellweger and George Clooney was, you know, a football player, and he basically kind of ran the operation of this, this team back in the 1920s. And, you know, during, like, during a game, he would play, and then once the game is over, he had, like, a beat writer, you know, that was sitting in the, in the press box, and he'll meet him after the game, 
and basically just kind of like, you know, basically, you know, quote like what he wants the guy to put into the article. I, I look, I know that was back in 1925, you know, it was a period piece, but hey, 100, almost 100 years later, you know what I'm saying? Like 100 plus years later, I should say, I think that quite honestly, you know what I'm saying? Like that ain't too far fetched. Like that, that ain't too far fetched. You know what I'm saying? That that was, you know, actually a practice during that time or what, what it is today. I wouldn't feel, I don't feel like that's far fetched. Like a lot of these guys, and I'm not saying all of them, and I'm not picking on anybody, but a lot of these guys like love their position. Like they love the fact that they can get like these inside scoops. They can talk to these organizations. They can get all this information from these organizations and they don't want to burn their bridge down. Right. By, you know what I'm saying? Like, maybe you know writing something that uh you know writing something that a player says or something like that so they, they're comfortable in their position but like i said i wouldn't put anything past that uh the whole situation changes when the coaches change is that simple da got to do some cleaning up today um it's a badly ran team i don't want to say it's a badly ran team um well, we talk about badly ran, it's like you're talking about it from an organizational structure. I don't think that I don't think that it's a a, a bad is a bad uh ran team. I just think that the coach is not very good. Like you gotta be able to have your hands on a lot of things if you're a head coach. You you can't just be you can't just be sitting down focusing on defense or, fo- or uh, focusing on special teams or Focus on uh, offense. Like, you got to be able to focus on all aspects. You know, you got to know what's going on in every room. And that's why it takes such a special guy to be a great head coach. And I just think that Dennis Allen is in over his head. Like, I I don't think that anything is going to change. I don't think anything is going to change regardless. Like, if if Dennis Allen – here's the thing. If Dennis Allen stays with the New Orleans Saints – they're going to have to get a new offensive coordinator. Like, they're going to have to do something like that's different because regardless to who you bring in, like, you're going to need somebody to probably, you know what I'm saying, like kind of be on that that Sean Payton-type level or close to that Sean Payton-type level, being that whisper in the quarterback ear, helping them see the field and also drawing up plays in order for them to be successful. You know, he he's not going to be able to do it. Like, you basically going to have to – like get a, a a whole bunch of guys that are like really, really, really good at what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Where they can just perform their job and, and it just doesn't have to involve Dennis Allen in any type of way. Or it, it probably involved him maybe like maybe 25, 30%. And that's, to me, that's not a, that's not what a good coach does. Why don't they talk about DA as biased when it comes to black quarterbacks, especially when they are injured, uh, they have uh, never saw the playing field again. Um, I don't even like to be to be quite honest with y'all for sports. I don't even think it's it's, it's a race thing. I think it's a desperation thing. And hear me out when I say this. I just think that the dude is just so desperate to try to you know absolve himself of being a bad coach. He's willing to do any and everything to make that thing happen. That's the reason why, like. It, but 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 here's the thing, you're playing you're, you're you're desperate and you're paranoid. So if you're playing in a game, right, 
last week, let's just say Taysom Hill, you ran a, a, a QB power that went for about 20 yards, right? What Dennis Allen would do, he'll, he'll do that again and again and again, right? It, it, as long as it's working. But he's not going to trust the process. So if Taysom Hill runs QB power the next week and he gets two yards, you're probably not going to see that again. So it's like he's not trusting the process. He's not trusting his instincts. He's not trusting anything. He's like, man, let's just find something that works. Let's find something that works. Oh, it didn't work. It didn't work. And they're not trusting the process enough to like, okay, let's keep on doing it. You know what I'm saying? Let's wear this defense down. And probably late third, fourth quarter, it'll be more effective. What he's doing is he's playing, he's he's coaching desperate. Okay, uh, you know, Jameis Winston, you know, came in the game, he threw some interceptions, right? All right, okay, let's bring let's put Andy Dalton in. Oh, Andy Dalton, you know, like, oh, the offense is moving. Like, what's the third down conversion? What's the what's the you know, red zone conversion? What are we doing? You know, like how many points we putting up. So he, he feels like that's the, the, the logical, you know, conclusion for, you know, the Saints actually winning games. But I'm like, I'm just saying, like, you put them in a game, but what has it equated to? You know, like, okay, the number's looking good because in garbage time, you know what I'm saying, the team getting beat down, so they, they throwing the ball. And the defense is playing soft. So what I'm saying is this. I don't think it has anything to do with the black quarterback experience in this case. I just think that the dude is just desperate. And he just feels like he he doesn't trust Jameis Winston. Like he doesn't like he doesn't trust him. Like he he understands like he's eight and twenty eight coach. He has a lot to he has a lot to live up to being a successor to Sean Payton. And I guess he feels like okay, if I'm gonna go out, then I'm gonna go out with somebody that's not going to turn the ball over as much as the other guy. And like I said, they never they never wanted Jameis Winston really in the first place. Like he was more of like a second choice. He he was more of a second choice. He's like, okay, man, we're gonna spend the bin real quick. It's almost like if you go into a store, right? You know what I'm saying? You go to like a little farmer's market and you go up in there, you see some stuff. Well, it's nice, you know what I'm saying? But let me let me spend a cut real quick to make sure that, you know, if I'm spending my money, I'm spending on on something, you know what I'm saying, like this, that's really truly valuable. Let me see what's going on here. So you walk around the farmer's market, you know what I'm saying? If nothing like meets your eye, then you go back and you purchase it. That's kind of like what they did with Sean. I mean, with Jameis Winston. They wanted Deshaun Watson. They wanted another quarterback who they felt like would be a better quarterback and a game changer and a game and a playmaker. And like I said, I can't we can't like say that it's a black quarterback thing because the guy that they were gonna replace Jameis Winston with was a black quarterback. They wanted Deshaun Watson. So I can't accept that, but I will say he's a desperate coach. You know, like he, he's a desperate guy and he coaches like he's eight and 28. He definitely does that. The landlord, thank you very much for the $2 says you are right about DA. He's not it. Look, like I said, it, it, it goes to me. I, I know what people are thinking. I know what people are thinking when I talk about DA, I'm just talking about it from a, a field standpoint. No, I'm not. I'm not talking about Dennis Allen not being answered from a field standpoint. I'm talking about it from an emotional standpoint, like the way that he conducts his, his press conferences, the way those players look on the sidelines, the way they look on the field. It's a combination of things. And, you know, like I just feel like it's almost like the inmates are running the asylum. 
And uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm not compare. I don't want to compare these dudes to, like JLP, but that's just a you know that's just a saying. I just feel like nobody fears him. I think they respect him because you know, I mean, you've been a, in the league as long as you have, and you can coast the hell out of some defense. But I don't think they fear him. Like I don't think they like if they they don't feel like he has what it takes to make something work outside of them. Like with Sean Payton, it's like. If you're a wide receiver, right, and you hurt, but you can play, but you choose not to play. Okay, fine, whatever. Guess what? He can scheme a wide receiver that can do the things that you do and probably put up, you know what I'm saying, the same amount of yards as you. And if you're looking at that on the sidelines, you're like, oh, snap. You know what I'm saying? Let me get back because I'll mess around and lose my spot. You don't get there with Dennis Allen. It's like. Sean Payton's ability to be able to get more out of less was the thing that really made him a great coach. What, you know what I'm saying? Does, does Dennis Allen do that? Like, if Dennis Allen puts another defensive player in the game that, that's replacing a guy like Pete Warner, like, you're going to see a huge drop-off. Like, you're going to tell it's a drop-off. Offensively? Like, how many times have we seen, like, no-name guys come into a Saints or uh, Saints offense and still be effective rather they moving the ball on third down or you know what I'm saying they go for 100 yards or close to 100 yards to get a touchdown or two so they they don't fear him because they, I don't feel like they think he he has the coaching knowledge or the ability to be able to push a player to a point where it can make them nervous about their position in Tampa Jameis Winston did not control his narrative uh, let me see the the organization threw him under the bus, uh, but he didn't uh, throw the organization under the bus. And I believe in New Orleans, he's trying to control his narrative. Yeah, I mean, because here's the thing. I mean, you learn from the mistakes that you made. You learn from those. You learn from the mistakes. Like if you do something the first time and then pan out, you, you kind of just go into like protection mode. Right. You go into the defensive position. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, I look, I don't knock him for that because. Be, I mean, first off, look, here, here's the thing. You're going to have some people out there that just don't like Jameis Winston. People seen that article or heard about that article, and they was we- re- willing to double down on the fact that they don't like him. And they'll be, like, talking about the turnovers and stuff like that, and they'll start talking about what happened back in Tampa. Okay, fine, whatever. You know, but what it, it's, it's rather it's damn if you do, damn if you don't, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to say it's the entire reason why, you know what I'm saying, some of the decisions that were made. But I think it does play – I thought it, it, it played a role. And I feel like this man should, you know, have his time to be able to tell his story. Because we don't we don't think twice about some of the articles that we read coming from some of these people around the NFL. We don't think twice about it. We see these people, you know, before Elon Musk lost his dog on mine, we see a blue check mark and – we just automatically just feel like, oh, there's some validity behind it, right? So we end up using those articles to try to double down on maybe players that we don't like, players that we feel like leaves a lot to be desired. That you know, and we just take it for what it is. But when it comes to these players, oh man, they whining. Oh, they complaining. Oh, they just don't want to play. Well, what do you do? You know, like when a uh, a. Uh, a organization a doctor is messing with your livelihood because we only see these guys for what, seven to ten years tops maybe 
depends on how great you are, maybe a little bit longer. But what about these guys having to be citizens of society, walking around with a limp? You know what I'm saying? Having to walk around on a cane or something like that, maybe confined to a wheelchair. Like, we don't think about those things. And if it, if these players talking about injuries or any kind, like, all of a sudden, like I said, we just start complaining. But we never, like, really truly criticize the organization. We we never do that. But we but we are willing to we are willing to criticize any player that has a question or uh, angry about injuries or anything like that. Like we just quit to like, try to dismiss those guys and just call them soft or, you know, say that they damaged goods. Like these guys do a lot in order to get out there on the field. Things that we probably couldn't even imagine. Not going to lie. I got us losing this game. I feel Mike Tomlin knows, uh, he's having a down season and will put a bit of a stain if he loses to Dennis Allen. I feel Mike Tomlin is going to uh, outcoach him. Well, look, until the New Orleans Saints show me that they can actually win and, you know what I'm saying, actually do something, you know, I, I ain't picking them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had them winning this football game because of their history, you know, against Pittsburgh and pretty doggone good. Like, I can't remember last time the Saints lost to to the Steelers it's been a minute like when's the last time the Saints lost to the Steelers it's been a while but I just I don't trust Dennis Allen and you know what I'm saying I just feel like this team is just a a shell of itself I think it was more of an I think it was more of a, a indictment on the Raiders than it was you know kudos to the Saints that they actually beat the Raiders as we can see the Raiders aren't very good you know but I mean, on any given Sunday, you can win. But I look, I've I've seen enough same game in my lifetime where I see like, oh, a rookie quarterback coming in, and I've seen those rookie quarterbacks look like the second coming to Joe Montana. I I just like I said, I do not trust Dennis Allen. This has absolutely nothing to do with the team and everything to do with Dennis Allen. I don't trust Dennis Allen. So I this could this should be pretty simplistic. If, you know, a coach that had some, you know, some fire, some desire and actually knew what the hell they were doing was out there. But I'm not picking them. Uh, Bruce Arias uh, hung Winston out to dry in 2019 with the broken hand and MCL. And Winston said nothing. Just took the jokes and narrative on the chin and moved on. Yeah. I mean, look, that there's there's a lot of hands that are dirty when it comes to the career of Jameis Winston, you know, there, there's a lot of dirty hands. I mean, including his own, like, bro, I like Jameis a lot and I like the warrior mentality, but if Tampa didn't show you, then New Orleans is showing you that the NFL don't give a damn about you like that. They don't like, I know we get mad at these players for not playing and we get mad at these guys for making business decisions. But don't these organizations do the same doggone thing? They do the same thing. All, like, think about this. All this production, even though these boys were trash, all the production that Roquan Smith put up in Chicago, all this stuff that this, this dude did, deserved a contract. But yet he's playing for the Baltimore Ravens, which is a better situation than where he came from. But all I'm saying is the organization were looking out for the organization. But when it comes to these players, we never, like, really take these dudes' side like that because these hit pieces going to come out. 
because these guys that's, that's putting this information out they want to be in bed with these organizations so they're going to put these hit pieces out and guess what the media voice is much louder than a player's voice when you got hundreds of publications that are willing to double down on what an organization's narrative is about you how are you going to defeat that how are you going to defeat that you can't you can have a couple people on your side but those people's voices aren't louder than mainstream media. When they have their eye on you, they can systematically destroy you, financially destroy you. Like, look, look at Kyrie Irving right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at all these other guys in, in, in time. Look at Colin Kaepernick. If they have their mindset on trying to destroy you, if they have their mindset on trying to make you look like you are like one of the worst quarterbacks of all time. Like, just think about some of the coverage of Jameis Winston. Just think about it. Why, how do you, like, how do you feel, like, how do you feel about Jameis Winston? Oh, let me ask you this question. Why do you feel the way about Jameis Winston? Most of it, it has a lot to do with the fact that when they talk about him, they're laughing at him. It's probably something that he said in the media. Or, you know, they ain't big, they ain't big up in, like, his his performances when he does well but you know when he throws an interception or he makes a mistake like they put that to music so that's all i'm saying it's like a comedian right you know it's like a comedian who tells jokes and he might do he do movies and all most of them are comedies and then he turns around and says well you know what i'm saying like i want to do something serious you know people are like huh you know what i'm saying like man you're a comedian man get out of here so it's kind of the same way it's like Oh, Jameis Winston, he threw for four touchdowns. Oh, man, Jameis Winston, he'll throw two interceptions next week. So how are you supposed to combat that? I'm just wondering to myself, like, how, how, are, you supposed to, how are you supposed to stop that? And, you know, like I said, the way that he approached it, even in this interview, can be considered career suicide. I hope not, but it, it, it could be. I wonder what these players uh, who sacrifice their salaries think about DA's decision. Maybe CD saw something. Mike T might have opted out because their treatment of Jameis Winston. All I'm saying is these guys need to protect themselves. And I know we get mad and we get frustrated at watching these players. Like we get frustrated. We get mad at watching these players play. And, you know, if they end up getting hurt, we frustrated because they ain't out there, but, Dog, you know, like these dudes need to protect themselves and protect themselves sometimes from these organizations. Tampa about to take off with this division. Remaining schedule is trash and they have all their weapons. Well, look, at, at this point, at this point, I don't really care. Like, seriously, I, I don't care. Like, I, I don't care. Like, this team to me isn't good enough to really do anything in the postseason. And I, look, people are saying, well, you want them to have a better record because it makes Philadelphia, you know, the Philadelphia pick not look as bad as, as, it, as it was or what it could be. That, that's just the breaks. You know what I'm saying? Like, look, the fact that you gave, it, it's, it's not even, it, it's even bigger than a pick. The fact that you gave C.J. Garner-Johnson to these guys for basically some peanuts. And this man is leading the league in interceptions right now. The fact that you gave your first round pick to a team that has the best record in football right now 
at eight and zero. I mean, does the playoffs and oh, they pick at least they pick it at nineteen. Does that like make you feel better? No, it doesn't. Because those those five interceptions could belong to the Saints that have two as a team right now. Like, I don't know, man. Like, somebody asked me, you know, what I care, but look, at, at this particular point, man, I just want to see these boys play a complete game. Like, I just think that we fooling ourselves. Like, I think we just fooling ourselves if what we've been seeing can on 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 a week to week basis, we think that that's going to equate to some playoff success. Like we we playing ourselves, and I I refuse to play myself. Like I want them to win. Like don't get me wrong, but when I look at this team, we ten weeks in, and we still up here trying to act like we about to channel our inner Drew Brees and Sean Payton on the sidelines or something. Or about to, like those days, like those days aren't here anymore. And I I, I would hate that people would think that oh. I seen this and we did this back. Like there's no we anymore. All all those great moments and all those come from behind victories and all those rallies and all those winning streaks belong to Sean Payton and Drew Brees. And that's what we holding on to. But we're not looking at the fact that this is a completely different team. That's coached completely different than what we were used to. So I, I, I don't look, we can talk about the playoffs all day and night, but Man, this division is trash. Tampa, you know what I'm saying, is, you know, at this particular time, they're more healthier than the Saints. Every time you look at the Saints depth chart, uh, injury report, it looked like a who's who, you know what I'm saying, of New Orleans Saints on on it. And I'm like, I, I look, I, I expect, God bless the brother, but I expect Bryce Thompson to go out there, you know what I'm saying, act like he Darrell Reeves. You know, I, I expect Caden Ellis to act as if he was Pete Warner flying around the field like he did from on a week-to-week basis. And I and I, I just supposed to expect, as much as I like him, Marcus Davenport, I just expect for him to just go on a tear and, and just get on his mission to 10 sacks. After 10 weeks, I don't see it, folks. What you see is what you get. And sometimes you just got to look at it and be like, okay, man, I'm going to just watch the game and hope for the best. But – I don't have I don't have any confidence in this team because of the coaching staff. Dada, thank you very much for five dollars. Says in my opinion, DA never was hired. He was just gave, given a job. Him being around uh, handed that to him. Well, I think I think you're absolutely right, Dada. I think that that definitely uh, played a huge role. I think it played a huge role in that. But uh, I don't know, like. I, I think that there was a lot of arrogance behind it. Like they seen that defense, they seen how good it was, and they like, man, we can replicate that. You know, we can we can replicate that. We can try to, you know, build on that, and then we can add some other guys in there. And Jameis Winston with his arm, man, look, you got to have a coach. You you got to have a coach to get the best out of those players, no matter if they're the best player on the team or the worst player on the team. Everybody needs to go into all for self mode. Protect yourself at all costs. That's what you don't want. What a booming! You don't want them to go into that that mode because if they do, then you're really gonna see some bad football. What I want is I want some transparency, and what I want is for the Saints to have a coach that we can trust and the players can trust as well. And you know, understand like okay, players are going to get hurt. And I'm not going to try to force this man 
you know, to go out here and put his life on the line or, you know what I'm saying, his career on the line because I know I have some guys that behind him be able to pick up the slack, you know, if he was to go down. That's what I want, you know, but we ain't got that. Like, D.A. seemed like he'll just say anything just to try to get the media off his case or try to get the fans off his case or try to win a football game. Like, there, there's no rhyme, no reason, no nothing, you know. Like, like what, what is the Saints, like, what like we know they run the ball, but even it like that there, there's no rhyme or reason for doing anything. It's almost like watching your kids peewee football team or something like, man, let's just run this, you know, let's just run this veer. Like it worked last week. Okay, let's go ahead and run it. Oh, it didn't work this time. Okay, uh 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 you flipping the pages. Uh 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 okay, okay, uh um do a jet sweep. That's kind of how it is. Like there's there's no confidence. Like when Sean Payton used to call the plays, you can see like the confidence in him, right? In the red zone or something like that. Like the way that he was calling these offensive plays, like you've seen it. You see him and Drew Brees, you know what I'm saying, giving each other thumbs up, man. I'm fired up about this play. Like you see that with no Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen just out there, you know what I'm saying? He, he like he like him with Winkler on the, on the water boy when he was going up against that other coach, you know what I'm saying, that took his playbook. That's kind of how it is, right? He's just looking at like, he just trying to do some things that work. And that ain't what you need. Like I say, you can continue to double down on the foolishness. You can keep on doubling down trying to say, oh, man, we're going to make this thing work. And you can try to keep continue to put a square peg into a round hole all you want to. But eventually, you're going to get exposed. Ramchek is going to have his hands full today. I agree. I love my team but we was only good on paper. That's why Sean Payton left. Yeah, man, look, Sean Payton was on his way out <laughs> like weeks before that. He was actually getting calls. He was actually uh, getting called from other teams. And I, I heard people were saying like he was um, accepting calls and stuff. No, it, it was it was his agent. It was his agent. I want to make that clear, man. It wasn't, it wasn't him like, hello? Oh, okay, you know, like, like it wasn't that, you know, it was his, it was his representation, and but the representation wasn't in these screening them calls, and they weren't saying yes nor no to it, and we all know about the whole Miami situation. So, telling the truth about the team gets you labeled negative. I don't, I look, I don't look at it like being negative, and if anybody thinks that I'm negative, then so what? You know, it's probably they don't watch the show. You know, if you're in the comments and you know I'm familiar with you and everybody else is familiar with you and they know how you operate, then they know that you're not negative either. It's always the people that probably just clicked on the State of the Saints podcast, ain't never seen it, and probably listened to what I'm saying. And then all of a sudden, man, he always negative. How you know? Like, you only met me one time, you know what I'm saying, through a podcast. But if you expect for me to sit up here and, and just blow smoke up your behind, you sadly mistaken. I call it how I see it. And most people here do the same thing. I'm not here to try to make you feel comfortable about a team that has shown you absolutely nothing. Like, that is insanity. Like, you're delusional if I got to do that. Like, you know, it, it. look, I put it to you like this. If you're married you're or you're dating somebody and they're they're messing around on you, and it just so happened that you rolled up to the mall and you see them walking and you know walking through the mall with somebody else. You so upset, you get in your car, you go home, 
and they walk through the door and you be like, I seen you with somebody else. I see you. I know it. I seen it with my own eyes. And they just look at you. No, 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 I wasn't. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. What you talking about? Are you going to sit up there and be like, you know what? Nah, I wasn't you. You know, like, are you going to do that in your real life? So you expect for me to sit up here and lie to you about a team that's obviously got a lot of problems and obviously aren't playing good football consistently. I, I, I mean, I'm sorry, but that's that's delusional. That's delusional if you want me to do that. That's delusional if you want if you would want somebody to do that. Like you losing your mind. Like we all want the Saints to be successful. We all want this team to win today. But what do you do when this team has shown you so many inconsistencies and some of the key the key players on this team are injured? What are you supposed to do? Keep on picking them every single week to win by 30? Not happening. TJ, the players have to believe in the coaches. You look at the Saints sidelines every week, the players don't believe you can just see that. Um, there's no confidence, there's no swag, nowhere. Nah, there's definitely not. And there's there's definitely not any confidence on this team. And that that speaks volumes to me. It speaks volumes about where this team is and where this team is going under the leadership of a Dennis Allen. I've been telling people all season we could have all the talent, but if the coaching staff is trash, there's no leadership, and that alone affects the team. Yeah, I, I said it early in the podcast. I think the biggest, I think the biggest Jedi mind trick ever was that we were just going to be world beaters without Sean Payton. And I'm not gonna lie to you, they they had me believe in this joint. They had me, you know what I'm saying? They had me, man. I was I was on people's shows and. You know, talking about the Saints and man, we got this and we got that. I, I sound like an Atlanta Falcon fan, not Atlanta Falcon fan, like trash after trash after trash that come through their organization. Man, we got this, we got that, we got this and that, and then you add this and that and this over here, like we about to win a division. Like that's some Atlanta Falcon stuff right there. They they delusional. Like they they sit up there and talk about what players are, what players they got and what they're capable of doing. And then all of a sudden, like, they they don't make the playoffs. That, that's what we was doing. I feel like that was straight up delusional. I'll never do it again, though. I'll never do it again because we were not compensating for Sean Payton and how, how much of a loss that actually was. And you just can't fill in. You, you can't just, just add a guy in. You got to take into account the type of coach Sean Payton was, just like quarterback. Like, I think that we all are starting to have more of an appreciation for Drew Brees and the, the type of quarterback he was more now than even when he was playing. Because at the time, I don't think we appreciated the greatness that we saw, not realizing that there was a strong possibility that those memories going to have to keep us warm at night, especially the way the Saints have been playing over the last two years. Um, I'm hoping Mickey doesn't double down and fire Dennis Allen at the end of the season and hire Eric Bieniemy or another offensive-minded coach because uh, if not, they are in trouble. Um, are you saying you say I hope he, he doesn't double down and fire? I guess you mean Ant Man. You hope he doesn't. You hope he doesn't double down and and high and, and keeps 
Dennis Allen. Okay. Uh, okay. So I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know what you say. I don't know if you want Dennis Allen to stay or you want him to go. But all I'm saying is, look, I know people saying Eric B. Enemy. I, I don't even know if he's the answer. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what Eric B. Enemy is as a coach. I don't know. You know, like his name just normally comes up because of the success with the Kansas City Chiefs. But once again, we look, I, I can't look, I gotta, I gotta say this. Just like Sean Payton and Pete Carmichael, Sean, uh, Sean Payton called the plays. Pete Carmichael was the offensive coordinator, right? So now we're seeing Pete Carmichael call the plays, and in some games, like he getting out coached. So who's to say with Andy Reid being that offensive mind that he is, Eric being to me, okay, he calling the plays, but we're not seeing on the sidelines the conversations that have with Andy Reid accepting or rejecting the plays that coming in or overriding the decisions. And who's to say when he overrides those decisions, hell, you know what I'm saying? All those plays actually working more times than not. So I don't want to just sit up here and just say that, okay? I mean, the same situations that you have to ask, your, ask the questions about Pete Carmichael are the same you have to ask about Eric Enemy. And I'm not going to just say that because, oh, you know what I'm saying? Because he's a black dude. Like, if we're going to talk about, if we want to talk about equality, we got to talk about equality as a whole, period. Like, we can't just talk about it, oh, you know what I'm saying? And, and look at this dude over here and not look at this dude being in the same situation just so just so happened that he a different color. I don't care. Look, I got to say, I don't care if you're black, white, or blue light skied of Valentine. If you're good enough to be in this organization, as a coach, as a player, I want you on the team. But I'm not in a I'm not in the business of just hiring Eric Bienemy because he's a black dude. And you know what I'm saying? He's on a team where you have an offensive-minded coach and the play is working. Because that don't always tell the story. That doesn't always tell the story. Now, if he's if he's the guy, if he's the dude that we need to help this organization go forward, then I'm all for it. But Look, I'm I'm not just high, I'm not in the business of hiring a guy because he's a black dude and he and he can run offense. Like that, it has to be more than that. As y'all can see, it's 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 beyond just knowing what the heck to do on offense and defense. Because if you want to be real, Dennis Allen is a defensive minded genius, but as a head coach, he sucks. So who's to say that the coordinator won't be Eric Bieniemy's calling card? And like I said, some of the same questions that you asked, some of the same questions that you asked about Pete Carmichael, you got to ask the same questions about, about Eric B. Enemy. Andy Reid is a hell of a play caller, man, just like Sean Payton was. So I get, you know, like it, to me, it would be you taking a risk, just like if you was to take a risk hiring Pete Carmichael as a head coach or something. How can we win with two backup quarterbacks fighting for a starting job and a garbage defense? We can blame DA all you want, but Sean Payton left us with this mess. Yeah, he probably left us because, you know, he probably looked looked at this team and knew, you know what I'm saying, that the bottom was probably about to fall out. Or, you know, if you're on a conspiracy side of the coin, he knew that this team was going to fail, and that would probably give Mickey Loomis justification to fire Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen 
right around the time Sean Payton wants to come back into football. If you're into conspiracy theories, I mean, it could be either or whatever floats your boat. But look, Dennis Allen sucks. I'm not, look, believe what you want to believe, and I'm not here to change anybody's mind. But in my eyes, he sucks. And I'm not trying to defend him. I'm not trying to uh, raise the Dennis Allen flag. I feel like this team would be better off with him not being on the team. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make, I'm not trying to make it work with Dennis Allen. I'm not even going to try to pretend. I'm not even going to use scenarios in which I want this dude to be here because I don't. I feel like the Saints will be better off. The Saints need to go offense because no matter who you bring in as a quarterback, you're going to need somebody to come in here to be able to be a whisper and help these players see the field. Rather it's, you know, whoever it is. If you want to bring back Jameis, you need a quarterback whisperer head slash head coach that's going to call us some plays to make some play and make offense better for him, may help him see the field. You're, that's what you need to do. The majority of the NFL is going offense because defensive coaches, as y'all can see, aren't really doing too well. I mean, you could probably name a few. Robert Sala, the light finally has came on for him. Mike Zimmer had a little bit of success. He's no longer in the league anymore. Mike Tomlin, you know, he's been he's had great success, but his team is struggling right now. The offensive side of the football is where it's at right now. And it's rather you're going to get with it or you're going to get lost. Now, if you have a coach that's defensive dominant, but he has his hands on everything within the organization, you can probably make that thing work. But as you can see, the way that the Saints are structured, they need a quarterback. They need a guy who is going to be the future of this franchise. And how do you get to that point is you appoint an offensive-minded coach that is going to be able to teach and help that quarterback reach his full potential. And Dennis Allen ain't it. Dennis Allen ain't it. So I'm not, like I said, I'm not in the business, right or wrong. I'm not in the business to try to defend Dennis Allen because he's not good. He's not good. He's not a good coach. He's not a good motivator. I don't get any type of inspiration from him. And for the most part, he's dishonest. It's rather he's dishonest or he doesn't know what's going on with his team. So when you stand up there on a Tuesday, a couple of days away from playing in the game in London, and you tell the entire world that, oh, Jameis Winston is just out today, but we'll see him again tomorrow, and we don't see him anymore unless, you know what I'm saying, he, he be bopping on the sidelines, or, you know what I'm saying, ad-libbing after what Demario Davis says in a, in a group huddle. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? I don't believe you. I don't believe anything about Dennis Allen at all. So why am I sitting up here trying to defend this dude, wanting this dude to come back, you know, and I'm watching the team being broken right in front of my eyes. So what can I only believe except if he comes back again, he's going to break it even more. Roger, thank you very much for the $5. Says, Have you been uh, hearing this scheme that Sean Payton and Lamar Jackson coming to the Saints? What's your input? I think that that's a bunch of BS. Sean Payton did not want to, does not want to coach the New Orleans Saints anymore. I all like I, I I don't look. I'm trying to make this very clear. He does not want to who he does not want to coach the, the New Orleans Saints anymore. He wants to go to another team. He wants to go to a team that has a franchise quarterback or organization that is signing a franchise quarterback, and he is out on the New Orleans Saints. So let's just get that through our minds right now. Like we can talk about you know. You know, oh, I need to get my mind right and all that kind of stuff there. Yo, you weren't caring about your mind when that Miami job was up. You didn't care, did you? 
Like, if all that scrutiny around Brian Flores didn't exist, Sean Payton would be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. It's just that simple. It's just that plain. That is the reality. But when you go on a show, you know, with Jim Trotter and Steve Weiss and you start big up and, you know, opportunities for African-American coaches and stuff like that, then all of a sudden you are the guy that replaces a, a, a African-American coach after you went out there and you said all those powerful things about minorities and coaching. That's not a good look, is it? He does not want to, he does not want to coach the New Orleans Saints anymore. We just have to deal with that. We just got to be real. We got to look to the future. And the future does not involve Sean Payton and it does not involve Drew Brees. Eric B. would have uh, brought something new, rather it worked or not. Say, brother TJ, keep speaking the truth. I'm with your big brother. Uh, is who that for life? Dalton looking like a flavored hot Cheeto. <laughs> but facts is facts. Look, all, all I know is, I don't know if he's the answer, but look, Tony, you don't want to keep on going down that rabbit hole. You don't want that. You don't want the, the Saints to be the revolving door. You don't want that, right? You want them to have stability. That's what's been keeping the Saints afloat for almost 20 years, stability. Stability at the coaching position, stability at the quarterback position. Now, the chances of you getting that type of, you know, stability that long term in the NFL is slim to none. Like, it's slim to none. The chances of that happening, again, are, are very, very rare. But at least try to find a coach that's going to be able to, to coach it out of these folks. You know what I'm saying? Let, let's see where we're at with that. Peyton is not coming back. I don't know why people keep saying that. Uh, the worst time is when I see D.A. get to the podium when they post game. You know what, up, Boom? I'm going to be honest with you. If I didn't do this show, I would never listen to what Dennis Allen says. I, I would never, I would never listen to what Dennis Allen says ever. Like if, if I didn't do this show, I don't care about what he says. Like it, it's basically when or lose, it's the same press conference. Like you basically can kind of copy and paste the same press conference. The only thing that changes is maybe his, his, his saints hoodie and hat. You know what I'm saying? That's about it. But you basically saying the same thing, clean this up, clean that up. Um, you know, shooting ourselves in the foot, bad day at the office like you like you you in a loss you don't feel like the team is going to be accountable for a loss and in a win you don't feel like they're going to build on it so what like what's the point of actually listening to this dude besides the fact that i actually do this show i don't get anything from him no type of motivation when i listen to like coach prime Deion sanders after a game or before a game like i really believe that my alma mater jackson state gonna win Right. I really believe that they're going to try to be disciplined and try to, you know, correct the mistakes that they made last week in a game. But with this dude. Like, I, I don't like I I get more energy from a from a worm. You know what I'm saying? Look at that. Looking at it like peeling back the dirt, seeing a worm squirm in the dirt. Like I, I get more energy from that than Dennis Allen at a podium or coaching a game. Uh, what do you think about Sean Payton talking about hooking up with Lamar Jackson in free agency? I think that that ain't true. Uh, I think that the Baltimore Ravens, I think the Baltimore Ravens uh, would be insane to allow him to be on the street. They're going to franchise tag him. You know, that's what they're going to do. They're going to franchise tag him, and, um, you know, that, that's going to be an end of it. They're going to sign him to a, a deal. Thank you, uh, James, exposing the hypocrisy. You took the risk 
and I respect you more uh, than anything for doing this. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a risk. It was a risk, and it could be borderline career suicide. But, you know, I don't blame the dude for people playing with my name and, you know, want to defend myself. Controversy aside, wish they would have landed Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean, look, I know people will be upset and you, you're, you're risking alienating your fan base, but and I look, and I'm, 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 I mean this in the most lightest ways, it, the lightest way possible. But if Michael Vick can do what he did, you know, saying as much as people love dogs, if Ben Roethlisberger did what he did, as much as this stuff about sexual assault and all that kind of stuff, did the biggest thing that you have on your side in situations like that is time. Now, this isn't my feelings. I'm just, I'm just saying what it is. Over time, people have a tendency of forgetting about their outrage because there's so many things at our disposal right now when it comes to social media and television. It, it kind of just swears, you know, sways us left and right. And we find ourselves forgetting about some of the things that happen. And I think that at, at the time, of course, you know, people would have been angry. And some people, you know, they probably never, you know, they'll never get on this side. But for the most part, people have a tendency of forgetting about things over time and things start to lighten up. Like with, with Michael Vick, right? Michael Vick comes back into the league, signs with Philadelphia, come, becomes the comeback player of the year. And next thing you know, now you got Michael Vick all on TV and stuff. So over the course of time, you know, the world has a way of kind of healing itself. But you you would never got a bunch of people on board about Deshaun Watson. They would have been happy, you know, but, you know, some people you'll probably, you know, get because they'll forget about the whole situation, unfortunately. Lamar Jackson have trouble in the playoffs when it counts just like Drew Brees did. Well, look here. Um, we could talk about all these playoff woes, but if Lamar Jackson was available right now, there'll be a risk I'll be willing to take because, the dude is a league MVP. He's an all pro. He led the league in passing in 2019. Uh, he actually won a playoff game, you know, the last time he was in one. So to me, every little knock that, that he had on his career, he's starting to like exercise that. And once again, we have to be very, very careful not allowing the narratives of the masses to be able to affect our way of thinking. Because You'll say, oh, he has trouble in the playoffs, but how many years has Lamar Jackson played in the league? Lamar Jackson has been in the league, what, as a starter, 2019, 2020, so about four years he's been in the league. So we're evaluating the guy's performance, and he won a playoff game the last time he played. So let's let's take that into account as well. Let's Let's make sure that, okay, if there's a knock, on a guy's career if he exercises that that we take that into account uh let me see uh pittsburgh offense is capital b bad uh i know we are a as steelers but i can imagine a game with demario and cam get at the young quarterback well we'll see I, i've seen funnier things uh lamar is a rare talent you can't replace that uh or coach that i agree we don't need Dennis just as much as we don't uh, need Sean. Nah, we need Sean. Nah, we nah. If this ain't if this ain't obvious that the Saints 
needed showing. Like, I don't know what it is. You know, I, I don't know what it is. This this team fell off the map once that dude stepped down. So I, I can't, like, nah, they, they need him. Uh, let's see, Aubrey Miller of JSU. Uh, yeah, he got invited to the senior bowl. Yeah, I saw that, man. And he deserves it. I, I, that 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 kid is really good, and he's talented. And I, you know, I'm pretty sure he'll get drafted. You know, probably like in a, on a fifth round or something. I hope, I hope the Saints uh, take a look at him. He had that red sharpie though. I don't care what he has. You know, he need to take that red sharpie, put it in a in a um, a packing box along with the rest of his stuff in his office, and get the hell out of here. Dennis uh, don't know uh, what the f he's saying. All he's worried about is turf toe. I don't know if you worry about just worry about turf toe, but like I said, I just I think that like I said, I think he's a politician. You know, it's it's not so much about giving people transparency; it's more so trying to give you enough just so he can get off the podium where the media the media can be satisfied for that particular day. See, I like the idea of getting a former positions coach, but one that holds tight end players accountable for everything. That's the difference between good coaches and bad coaches. Look, I, I think that the way that the NFL is going, E, uh, that's my brother, by the way. Shouts out to my brother, EJ Jones. Um, I think the way that the NFL is going right now, uh, I just think that, it, you know, you have to have offense. You got to have offense. If you don't have offense or offensive-minded coach, I just think that you're going to fail. I think that, look, you get yourself a young coach, you know, that's as an offensive innovator and talented. And I don't know, you get a defensive coordinator like a Vic Fangio. I take it. You know, like that's just the way that it is. You know, like the young, innovative offensive coach, offensive minded coach. That's 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 the way it that's the way of the game. That's the way the game is going right now. Getting offensive players, talented, and um getting an offensive minded coach to be able to coach the hell out of. That's 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 the way the NFL is going right now. Like all these defensive dinosaurs that they have out here, you know, it's just not working out. Because a lot of these guys who are defensive-minded coaches, they've been in the league so long because, you know, the league has, you know, kept them around because how talented they are. But in in the meantime, you got these young, you know, assistants that's coming up, that's been on a high school level, been on a college level. They see all these different offensive packages and what works and what hasn't worked. And in the meantime – you know, you still have those defensive-minded guys who've been in the league so long probably was, you know, helping their team tackle Lawrence Taylor and stuff. You know, I mean, not tackle Lawrence Taylor, teaching Lawrence Taylor how to tackle, uh, you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, being able to have conversations with Reggie White. Like, that, it's a whole different NFL right now. Like, I feel like the way that the Saints are structured is the classic NFL move. Like, you have those big, tall guys up front with long wingspans, but they can't get to the quarterback, Right. The, the new wave is those smaller those smaller linebackers slash pass rushers, you know what I'm saying, that can get under those uh, big offensive linemen and get to the quarterback consistently. You got to change with the league. If you don't, then you're going to find yourself on the outside looking in or you're going to find yourself being a coordinator for the rest of your life. It, it's just that simple. It, it, and teams have to adapt to it. It's rather – look, I, I look at Les Miles, right? Les Miles was – Les Miles was a, a, a really great coach for LSU. But his philosophy offensively it was a Stone Age philosophy, right? You know, it's lining up in the eye formation, three yards in a cloud of dust. Like, you know, occasionally, like, we'll throw the ball down the field, you know what I'm saying, on some play action-ish. 
that's not going to work. You know, like you got to change with the times. You know, you got to get yourself an offensive innovator, uh, you know, offensive coach that's going to be able to, you know, show, you know, show you something different. It, it just, it just what it is, man. I'm going to take a few more, then we're going to get up out of here, man. Uh, what Dennis did to Jameis is grounds to be fired. I mean, we can't just, I mean, he's responsible because he's the coach. But once again, there are more hands that are dirty than we even can even think about. Because it's not just Dennis Allen that's, that's out here making these decisions. He was supposed to get his job back after he got healthy. Yeah, but it didn't happen. And once again, that just adds on to why I don't feel like Dennis Allen isn't the, the right guy. Uh, let me see. Speed at the skill position and running backs that can catch and tight ends that can run and catch basically five receivers on every down. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you need that in, in a modern-day NFL. I, I just think that the Saints need to – look, I don't think that the Saints need to go out here and be signing everybody left and right. Um, I, I don't think that. I just think that how the Saints are going to get themselves out of this hole, how they're going to get themselves out of this hole is, is very, very simple. Like, you got to build. Like, the way that you built in 2017 and you had that window of success along with Drew Brees, and, but he was towards the twilight of his career. Like, you got to build the way that you built in 2017. Like, you got to have yourself a, a good draft. And honestly, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, the draft that they had this past season wasn't too bad. I mean, we don't know what DeMarco Jackson is going to be, but he, they said that he was playing pretty well. Uh, I don't know what Jackson Jordan is going to pan out, but I mean, you still got Trevor Penning. We haven't seen him. It seemed like, you know, he's really good, especially when it comes to run blocking. So if you can continue, and we also have Elante Taylor out there, you know, doing some things as well. So to get yourself out of this hole, you're going to have to build it through a draft. You combine those young players with, with some seasoned veterans that they can look to for leadership. And that that's, that's how you do it. That's, that's how you're doing it. So. Let me see. Ricky B has a bad head coach and uh, he needs better decision making. The truth says, uh, I'm just tired of watching the Saints lose. I think we all are. I, I think we all are. You see, adaptability is always needed in a coach. Uh, work uh, to your team's strengths. Yeah. I mean, running the football right now is the stream strength, but here's the issue, man. Like, what do you do? when the running game isn't working and and you don't think that these teams, you know, now they got weeks of uh, film on you and how, you know, how they can approach you every single week. So if you're not, if they knew, look, Baltimore understood the assignment. They knew if they neutralized the Saints running game, then let's put it in the hands of Andy Dalton and let Andy Dalton beat us. And he can't. And you don't think that the Pittsburgh Steelers game plan isn't going to be similar. And the Saints struggle. Look, the worst thing that can happen to the New Orleans Saints, who that nation, is T.J. Watt coming back. It's the worst thing to happen to the Saints. If you have if you have linebackers athletic enough to run with Alvin Kamara, to be able to cover Alvin Kamara out of the backfield, it is rough for the New Orleans Saints to win because now you're asking Andy Dalton to help you win a game. And Andy Dalton... Ain't, ain't has not like I, i'm pretty sure he he's over the course of his, his career 
he's won some some games. You know, he put up some big numbers, but you're asking a backup quarterback at this stage of his career to go out there and, and beat Patrick Mahomes for you. I think that's a tall ask for Andy Dalton. Uh, what up, TJ? Uh, now this is off topic. I'm watching a Germany game right now. Tom Brady just went off for uh, the pass, fell down, uh, got an interception, and put Seattle literally uh, at the three. Uh, it's already 10 to 14. Wow. You know, like I, I, I was uh, I was checking out the game in between, and I want to kind of watch the conclusion. That's why I'm kind of wrapping it up a little bit earlier. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look. I'm I'm in between this. I'm watching the game. You know what I'm saying? I'm seeing, I'm trying to see what's going on. But I'm more concerned about what the New Orleans Saints are going to do. You know, I'm I'm more concerned about what they're going to do uh, as a team. I mean, I, I just want to see this team be able to put some things together to be able to uh be effective uh down the stretch and make it interesting, you know. Like last week they were just completely out coached. I mean Baltimore is is better than the New Orleans Saints, and they're a better team. You know, I know they record they had what three losses, but a lot of those games they were had double digit leads. Teams just came back with some late game heroics and beat them. JJ White uh, is covering AK, and I want to believe they got Miles Jack too. You know, Miles Jack is a is is a guy. You know, Miles Jack is a guy that can run sideline to sideline too. So. It's not just it's not just uh TJ Watt you need to be worried about. But that should be interesting, right? Wisconsin on Wisconsin, right? TJ Watt and uh Ryan Ramchek both went to uh Wisconsin. I don't I'm pretty sure they probably went there together. Um, even though Ramchek a little bit older, I'm pretty sure like uh TJ Watt was probably a, a freshman or a sophomore during the time when he when Ryan Ramchek was there. So I'm pretty sure they're familiar with one another um let's see in all realities the saints offense have been stale for the last three years uh change is inevitable uh coach offense and players the reason kelly at lsu was winning he hired his own coaches fact yeah you know that's kind of look what the saints were kind of what the saints were doing was unprecedented you know it was unprecedented you don't really see the whole situation is unprecedented because you don't see coaches stepping down like that. Normally they get fired. So you actually just blow the entire thing up, not like hiring from within to try to keep your infrastructure. Like you, you normally don't see that. So it's, it's kind of like an outlier or an anomaly if you, if you will. So, but yeah, if you're, if you, in a future, I think that you need to get yourself a coach that's going to hire his own guys. And you just need to be okay with it. It is going to be hard for us to win with a hundred million in players on the sideline, but I hope we win. Who that man. That's crazy. Uh, let's see. Gino reverting back to most to his old self. How are the bucks uh, finally looking this good? I don't know. Maybe it's just, you know, but here's the thing. Like, the Saints had a game where they looked real good too against the Raiders. So let's let's you know that just maybe it's just one of them games where you know everything just kind of comes together. It it happens, folks. You know, every now and then you have a game where you know things start to work out, it, it gets a little better. And um, 
You know, it seems like all your problems are resolved. See, fumble at the 10 yard line. Come on, Seahawks. Man up DA and quit, please. TJ, uh, I think the Saints just don't want a black quarterback, especially Bobby Abel. He hated Jameis Winston all in training camp. So, you know, uh, the outside influence was in Allen here. Look, look, what I want us to do is, uh, this is all I'm saying. I want us to, man, it, it, I just feel like that's not the case. Like, it's, it's not the case. If it was the case that I'm, I'm telling you, I will really, I will stand up here and tell you that's the case, but it's not. I don't think, look, Jameis Winston's skin color has nothing to do with this at all. Because you would have to make the argument. If skin color was the argument, if skin color was the issue, if skin color is is the re, is the deciding factor, then why is it that the Saints tried to move heaven and earth to get to Sean Watson? That makes no, that doesn't make any sense. They were willing to back up the bring truck to this dude's house to give him the money and draft capital to acquire a black quarterback. So it is hard for me to accept the fact that the reason why they got this dude on the bench is because he's a black dude. I don't believe that. I, I don't believe it. There, there are too many, there are too many other coincidences out here for me to accept that. Do I feel like, you know, black quarterbacks get the short end of the stick? Yes, I do. You know, but in this particular case, it has nothing to do with the fact that he's black and everything to do with the fact that they didn't want him in the first place. They they did not they did not want him in the first place. They did not want he was not their first choice. Deshaun Watson was. Jameis just so happened to be out there on the streets and available for the New Orleans Saints to, be, to bring him back. This has nothing to do with this, man. And I'm, I'm telling people, I'm telling people this because we have to be careful because this is the type of stuff that makes people roll their eyes when black people start talking about, you know, discrimination and stereotypes and all this. This is what makes people roll their eyes because we cannot just put the black plight in front of every situation that involves a black person. Because when the time comes when we really have to stand up and really have to hold people accountable, then guess what? It's going to go on deaf ears because every situation, no matter if it's for or not, people will have all this stuff they have to compartmentalize about and come up with a conclusion. Man, you know what? That was racism. You know what? That wasn't right. So all I'm saying is let's just be careful. Let's not just throw the old, he he doing this because, you know, Jameis is black thing. Let's, let's not do that. Because once again, there are going to be situations that involve us having to have these conversations that legitimately are what we're saying they are. But this isn't one of those situations. So let's, let's not even look at that. That does not make sense. That's like somebody telling me, oh, you know, the 2009 Super Bowl was a charity Super Bowl for the Saints. That's, that's, that's up there with that with me because it doesn't make any sense. If the Saints were a charity team, the Saints went to the NFC Championship game in 2006, a year after Katrina happened. So what would have sounded more great? A team that 
whole city under the sea goes to the Super Bowl in the year after all that happens or four years later. That doesn't make any sense. Just like it doesn't make sense that we are saying that Deshaun, the Saints are, are racist against Jameis Winston and they're trying to replace him or try to replace him with another black quarterback. That just doesn't make any sense at all. That that doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, I beg to differ. It's about racism. It is not about racism. Somebody help me, like, make that make sense to me. How is it that you're trying to convince me that they don't want Jameis because he's a black quarterback, but they spent the entire offseason trying to acquire a black quarterback? That makes no sense. That they make like if if they spent the entire season trying to go after Jimmy G or even Matt Ryan, like okay, you got me. But you look, nah, that 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 don't make sense to me. There is more racism in the fan base than in the organization. Exactly. Like if you want to make an argument that a lot of people's narratives, well, not a lot of people, but you have a, some people's narratives, they don't want Jameis to succeed based on his color. Then we can talk, but. For the Saints organization to just throw Jameis away because he's a black dude? I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Like, they they moved $32 million to try to be $32 million compliant to try to acquire Deshaun Watson. I mean, they were willing to alienate a fan base. They were willing to alienate people, women, right, who have been victims of sexual assault and the whole Me Too movement. They were willing to alienate that to bring on a black quarterback. I, 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 can't, I can't accept that. Jameis is broken and I hate watching his decisions in the pocket even when he's healthy. We never was going to get to Sean Watson. We don't have enough capital. Mm, nah, they was going to get him, bro. They, they was close. They was close. Let's let's not let's not make narratives up to try to fit our own narratives. They were close. They were close to getting this dude. They were like it was between the Falcons and the Saints. And the Saints were like closer, you know what I'm saying, to the Falcons and then the Cleveland Browns in the midnight hour pulled 250 million dollars out there behind and guaranteed money and the rest is history. Like they weren't even in the runnings. Like they just kind of popped up everywhere like like they were just sitting around and a phone call came in and they offered him that the saints were close. All right. So I, I want people like, look, I know what we try to do. Like when we, you know, we try to put these things out here, but no, they were close. They were in the final two. The Cleveland Browns were nowhere in the vicinity. Like they were done. Like they washed their hands with the situation. And then, you know, the owner of, the owner of the Browns just came out with that money. I, I'm just, look, I'm just letting you know. Like, I, I'm not, look, I, like, anybody that knows me knows if, if this, if it's something fishy or something they ain't right about it when it comes to racism, like, I don't mind calling it out. But in this case, I, I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't believe that at all. I don't. But I mean, like you say, you can believe whatever you want to, but that this this isn't the case. Watson is a rare talent. Any team would do it. Come on, man. But if okay, but if the Saints are as racist as you're making them out to be, and it's the case that 
what happened with Jameis Winston, then it shouldn't matter, right? It shouldn't matter how talented he is. It shouldn't matter how gifted he is. If look, if if I'm racist, it doesn't matter how great you are. It doesn't matter how many touchdowns you throw. Doesn't matter how many touchdowns you run for. I don't want anything to do with you. So I'm just I'm just saying it it just it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. If if like I said, if it was they spent the whole offseason trying to court Matt Ryan or Jimmy G, I just feel like that would have that would give that argument more validity. You know, but I, I don't I don't think it's the case this time. A winning franchise, he chose a losing franchise over a winning franchise. Come on, he would have went to uh, Atlanta, Carolina before he came to New Orleans. I'm just telling you what I what I know. You can like you can be, you can believe that if you want to, brother. But I'm just telling you what's been told to me by several, you know, what I'm saying by several individuals that you know, what I'm saying that followed the situation pretty closely. You know, like in, individuals that you know, knew about the whole meeting up and, you know, by Gail Benson in Houston. Like, I'm just telling you what I, what I know, what, 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 what been told to me. Cause I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to just sit up here and just like, just come up with these, these narrative and these theories. See why Jameis is a third string quarterback. Cause he hurt. Cause he hurt. I mean, I don't know if you read that article, but he said it like four or five different times in the article. Like, you know, I'm, if anybody says anything about me not being hurt, it's not true. I'm hurt. He said this on several occasions. That's what he said. He said he was hurt. He's a third-string quarterback because he's hurt. And, of course, like I said, and, and that's another reason why I don't really, you know, really care that much for Dennis Allen. It's because he basically got Jameis out there trying to keep up appearances. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's good enough to play. But it's just up, he's just out there just to kind of keep up appearances or whatever like that, right? But it, it not in reality, it's making Jameis look bad because it's making Jameis look like, oh, I'm I'm suited up, but you know, I'm not good enough to play because Andy Dalton beat me out. Let's see. Okay, I got this one for you, TJ. What about Brian Flores? We should have hired him. Who's this look? <laughs> Uh, look, man, the Saints always wanted to do what they're doing right now. They've always wanted to do this. They wanted to keep Dennis Allen in-house. Like, let the dog and pony, you know what I'm saying? Like, basically, dog and pony show. Okay, we're going to try to search, quote-unquote, for a coach. But in reality, they already knew what they had, right? They already knew it. They already knew what they had because they did not want to lose the infrastructure of this team. So it to me, this is gonna sound crazy, but it didn't matter if Mike Tomlin was out there, they still would have went in this direction. Belichick would have been out there, and they still would have went in this direction. I'm just I'm just saying they always wanted to do this. This is what they wanted to do. And as fans at that time, we accepted it. You had people out there, man. We need to get Brian Flores. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like we. Yeah, we we talked to him, you know what I'm saying? We talked to him and we even talked to Eric B. Enemy. But at the end of the day, the Saints always wanted to do what they did. There was there were they were not going to change his mind. They were they were not going to like they were not going to change Mickey Loomis's mind. 
do folks understand how serious Jameis' injury? I, I don't think so. His injury is pretty bad, man. But like I said, when you look at the injury report, all you see is foot, toe, arm. Like, you don't know what that means, right? Arm might be hanging off. <laughs> might see one of your favorite players in a Walmart somewhere, arm hanging off. Uh, no matter how close you are to the situation, if you aren't directly involved in the situation, nothing that is said can be counted as absolute truth. It's all speculation. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that is true. But the same people that told me that Sean Payton was leaving, and it was true. The same people that told me that Jameis Winston's foot was messed up, and it was. The same people that told me, oh, it was promised that Jameis uh, would get his starter job back, and Jameis came out, with, came out there with an art, um, article talking about the same thing that's backed up what they were saying to me weeks ago. Guess what? I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with it. So I'm not in a business of somebody telling me something and it works out, but I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to believe what they're telling me. So I want to believe this in my mind. I I, I want to feel like it's this way. So whoever said anything, it don't, it don't matter because what I feel is what it was, man. Bruh. <laughs> I, I get like I said I get told things by people I don't say anything because like I said it's not my story to tell but when they're telling you things and it's coming out being true and you what are you supposed to do with that am I supposed to nah nah that ain't it nah that ain't it what what the real reason is no what 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 can you do when the situation the person tells you then a couple days later or a couple a week later, it, it comes out the exact same way they tell you more times than not. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? And I only, like I said, I, I tell you all what, what's been said to me. But I'm not in a business of trying to keep a narrative alive so I'm going to dismiss factual information. <laughs> when it's proven to me that it's a fact, you know, like when they prove when they say something to me, and then a couple of days later it come out to be factual. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to continue to believe the conspiracy theory because it seems like that's the way that it's supposed to be in my mind, or am I going to believe what somebody's telling me that's obviously close to the situation? I prefer the latter. I prefer the latter, man. Uh, they giving this game to Tampa, man. Well, DA motivation is the opposite of Drew Brees. The reality is we sorry for years to uh, come and the truth is behind the scenes. We may never know, but ain't nobody going to want to play in New Orleans. The players know the truth and see what, uh, let's see, what we can, it is over. Well, I don't think that it's over. I think it'll be over if you keep on doubling down on the, on the, uh, on the DA nonsense. Let's see, I had plenty of instances when I went, a stretch without being wrong and doesn't make me Nostradamus. All I'm saying is nobody besides the organization and players know the truth. Let it come from them. Yeah, but like I said, if the organization comes out and they say the same thing that is a person that is on, that's close to the situation or know something that's going on, of course I'm going to believe that person if they're telling me and it, and it comes to and it comes to pass. You know, like I'm not going to like I'm not going to continue to like to like discredit that person if they keep on it. If a person, you know, what I'm saying keep on knocking home runs over the gate. 
You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to be like, man, this person suck. Like, man, yeah, you know what I'm saying? He ain't no good player. Do it again. I mean, they're, they're credible people. And what they're saying is credible. And then it turns out that you have Jameis Winston comes out and just confirms what's been told to me for weeks. So, of course. Of course, I'm going to buy that, and I'm and, uh, and you you shouldn't you shouldn't just I don't know like we just can't be so you know sorry so full of ourselves but so quick to not want to be wrong about a situation that we just double down on nonsense. Like if somebody like if you believe a certain thing, and then it's proven that what you're believing isn't true, you have to accept that. Some people won't. Some people will be like, man, I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about what's going on. Like, but if if the truth is like slaps you right in the face, and then you just turn around and say, "No, I don't accept it." That's on you. That's on you. You know, like, like you know, like it said <laughs> what what uh, what Jesus told his disciples. He said, "Man, if you go to a person's door, they slam the door in your face. You know, kick the dust off your feet and walk off." So if somebody telling you the situation. They don't accept it. Like, keep it moving. You believe, like, it don't matter what happens. Somebody is not going to believe in what you're saying. I'm not going to sit up here and just live in denial and, and live in my own bubble of truth. I think that's too much of this nonsense going on in the world because we don't want to accept what actually is. You ain't got to explain, TJ, uh, the real no. I'm just, I'm just being, I'm just being honest, man. I'm not, look. I think the worst thing in the world is when a person giving you information that's factual and true and you're not even listening to that person and you just finding yourself, I don't know, ducking and dodging the reality, right? You just, you're not even listening to them. You're thinking about the next way you're going to maneuver out of the, the argument that, that you all are, the debate that you all are having. I just think that sometimes you got to listen to people. You got, and also you, you got to kind of like, kind of sit back and just kind of analyze the situation. And sometimes we realize it's not as bad as it seems or it's not exactly how we feel like it is. But, you know, when somebody constantly says it over and over again or somebody constantly puts that information out there over and over again, the theories start to come out. But, man, I trust the people that I talk to, man, especially, you know, the people that's pretty close to the situation. We will probably be Carolina and sweep Atlanta, but that's about it. The Bucks about to win uh, our division again, and with either a nine and eight or eight and nine record. Hmm. Well, we'll see. But we got a few more. We got like nine minutes for the game start. But thank you all so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, we'll be back uh, for the halftime show. Saints uh, taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hopefully, the Saints get a win. Uh, the keys to victory. I know I ain't talk about this man because oh my goodness, you know talking about Saints football and. 2022 can man, be a little bit depressing, but the keys to victory is very, very simple. Um, I mentioned the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're not good against the run, okay? Uh, rushing yards allowed, uh, they average about 117 yards, okay? So you can get over 100 yards. Uh, the passing yards allowed are just, I mean, uh, unbelievable here. Almost 300 yards per game uh, for them. So, what do you do? You run the ball, all right? You run the ball, and then you run the ball some more. And you utilize Taysom Hill. And if it just so happened that Taysom Hill runs the ball and, 
You know, he gets one yard. It's okay. Let's try to do it again. All right. Let's try to do some consistent, consistent things. Uh, when it comes to Andy Dalton, he is who he is. Uh, we can do some play action stuff when the running game starts to work. You can throw the ball down the field. I think that this is going to be a game. I think Chris Olave is probably uh, probably going to have one of his best games as a Saint. Like, I, I really believe that. Uh, this dude starts to get better each and every week. Uh, it's going to take another guy to go ahead and step up. I'm seeing too many drop passes by some of these receivers. Uh, you know, uh, Callaway, you know, he, he got to be able to come up with some of these catches. I'm pretty sure he's probably going to get about maybe two or three targets. Uh, let's see if we can get Adam Troutman involved in in, in the jet sweep, run, you know, run pass option game. It seemed like he's extremely effective when he's in the game. And uh, let's just minimize the mistakes. You know, let's, let's get let's minimize the mistakes. Uh, to me, if I'm the New Orleans Saints, I know they normally don't do this. Uh, but if I'm the New Orleans Saints, I'm trying to blitz. I'm trying to blitz Kenny Pickett. Like, I'm not, I'm trying to make this dude confused. I'm coming up with all type of blitz packages. I'm trying to do stuff that I normally don't do, just try to get the ball out of his hands because he's a rookie. He's not able to dissect plays as quickly as, as some of these veterans can do. Uh, I, I trust the man-to-man coverage. Uh, matchups uh this game uh versus games pass so you have play, ways that you can play you know with the defense this week in order to make things hard uh for uh kenny pickett uh Najee harris neutralize him you know you got to neutralize the run game just like i feel like pittsburgh is going to try to do try to put the ball into the hands of kenny pickett to help him to, to make him win a game like if you if you do that, then I think that you should be successful. But we all know uh, <laughs> the New Orleans Saints, uh, they, they got a lot of issues of their own. They got a lot of injuries. The offensive line uh, is down. Eric McCoy on IR. Andrews Pete not playing today. And you're probably going to have Derrick Kelly out there playing. I don't know, man. Hopefully we have something positive to say around halftime and have something extremely positive to say towards the end of the game. But this has been the State of the Saints podcast. I ask that you all hit the like button. Hit that like button if you enjoy the State of the Saints podcast. Shouts out to everybody in the chat. Uh, thank you to everybody, you know, that has a perspective. Um, I don't want anybody to feel like, you know, their perspective doesn't matter. Uh, even though we disagree with things, uh, we, it's still all love. We all have our points of view that we value. And don't never let anybody, including me, take that away from you. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you believe in what you believe, keep believing it. But also, uh, you know, have have time and, and take time to, uh, you know, value other people's opinions uh, as well. Uh, Facebook.com, search The State of the Saints podcast. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube if you have not already. Previous episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM. Till next time, all I got to say is, who that? Enjoy the Saints game. <laughs>